that. Romans chapter 8. Recording on and get to remember. Romans chapter 8. We've been discussing a lot about peace in the Bible. And although it's related, because peace starts with our relationship with Christ, um, I'm not preaching directly about peace today, other than where I hope it's a reminder, it, it's, it does apply. It's just not um, in a lot of detail. Romans chapter 8 has a lot going on. I'm not going to read. If you, if you back up a little bit from where we're going to start reading, you see the passage, uh, one of my favorite passages, described our salvation as an adoption. And uh, it said we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. And uh, that when, when we got saved, our new family is something special. Um, this isn't something, one of the problems people have out there when they mix works with salvation and try to make us apart. Imagine a baby or a child or an older child trying to ha work on the process of getting a family to adopt them and the child is the one doing all the work. Um, that's, not, that's not how it happens. Um, when we're adopted, we became, it, it, and it, it, in spite of his own son, or, or at cost of his own son, God looked and said, one thing unique, now I never had it in my family, I've seen it, my parents used to take care of foster children, and I've seen a couple adopted, so kind of on the outside, I've seen it um, on my, on Crystal's side of the family, that she has a, an aunt who has adopted children, and so kind of a little bit on the outside, we've seen it, but, but I've not experienced it. But one thing unique about an adoption that's always, always I guess, fascinated me, if that's the right word, is uh, as, long, as much as I love my family and, and growing up with my parents and, and, and as a family, and, and I love my family and my children and, and, and would give anything for them, as, as we look at somebody adopting a child, one thing that stands out that's quite different is they get to choose that child. And, and, and they, they look at that child, whatever the case, maybe they already have children, maybe they don't. And, and they find a child, whatever reason, and say, I, I want to make you mine. The child doesn't have a family uh, for whatever reason. And, and there's, a, there's a unique choice. Um, it may or may not mean it's a better love, it's hard to apply, but it's definitely something different about that kind of love. And, and, and we go back, and, and it's salvation in Romans chapter 8 is described as an adoption, and then we're heirs of Christ, joint, or heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. In other words, in some areas, in the sense of being in eternity with God, uh, enjoying heaven, as, as, as Revelation describes it, actually the new Jerusalem, and living forever with God and reigning. Hebrews refers to Jesus calling us brethren. And uh, so we have that same access to God as Jesus did. That idea alone will knock out a lot of false religions. If someone thinks you have to go to somebody else, some of the cult-like, somebody higher up, or, or a priest, or a pope, or confession, or someone else that can have between you and God to get your sin. The idea of adoption and salvation should be enough to blow out most of the false religions out there. 
And uh, so we read that. So that's where we're at in Romans chapter 8, adoption. Now we're going to start reading, though. I'm going to start looking at verse 21. Under, I just want you to understand the context. This is speaking to Christians. This is speaking to those already saved. Uh, this is speaking to explain your salvation. You're saved. You're adopted. This is who you are in Christ. And uh, so we're sons of God. Verse 19. Now verse 21. Um, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Uh, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan with in ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we are, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, for we are counted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Back up to verse 21. I want to give some explanation, and I believe can wind to a point. You know, one thing when we talk about peace and getting through our life... One thing, if we're not cautious in our own flesh and this world and, and all the things that seem to be against us in this world, is sometimes we just forget that God loves us. And uh, we, we, we forget. We can say we know it. We, we can say we know it. But sometimes our focus, and it'll help as we've been journeying through peace, um, that, that we, we look. Remember in, in Philippians 4, 7, it's the peace of God which passes all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds. That's through Christ Jesus our Lord. We understand the basis of what that means. 
and Christ. In Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8, of course, we have, we already covered. If you read in front of that, go back home later and read that whole chapter. you find that passage about the adoption. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Believing in Christ, that's a basic element of salvation. As just, I believe. I don't have the power. I can't make myself a son of God. I, I can't just uh, use my mind to decide one day, as, oh, I, I don't like how things have gone or how I've lived. I just decide I want to be a son of God. That's not what it is. Sometimes it's all kinds of crazy on both sides of the spectrum. Crazy criticisms or arguments on, on, on what is salvation. The Bible's clear. Salvation is believe. But it's believe with thine heart. And here in John it says, if I believe, then I get the power from God. God still does the saving. But I have to accept that gift. God wrapped up the package. Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood. He took his blood to the mercy seat in heaven. His blood covers my sin. He wrapped it up. But if I don't pick it up and receive the gift, it doesn't do me any good. And that's what the gift is. That's my part. It's not works. It's not, I just, that's what believing is. And yes, okay, I can't do it on my own. I have to accept what Christ did as we get adopted. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Uh, um, Romans 5.12, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he, he took and said, hey, that's in the bloodline now. That's one reason Jesus' blood has to be a component of salvation. Um, it's in our blood. Sin is in our nature. I, I, can't, I was born that way. Uh, and in a sense, I'm a, I was born a sinner. I, I can't do anything about it. And notice here it says that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And uh, so it, it's, it's our body. Verse 23, same, same thought. And not only they, but ourselves also. So he's distinguishing not only they, the people in the world unsaved in sin, but ourselves also were saved. So understand what's happening here. He's making a distinguishing that doctrinally we also know that I'm saved, my soul, my spirit, who I am is saved, covered in Christ's blood, I'm on my way to heaven. And then he's distinguishing there's a difference. Here's the difference. He said, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to the wit, the redemption of our body. He said there's a difference our body will be redeemed when not saved, not eternal. But when I go to heaven, my soul's going to heaven, and I get a new body. That, that, that's, that's where when Paul talks about the rapture and those things and, and uh, the, the help that we get from those thoughts, when I go and get the new body, it's like my body will be saved. I can't, this sin, this flesh can't go to heaven as is. That's number one is my soul needs Christ, but also my body. We're going to get our new body one day. Our body will be redeemed. And uh, so there's that difference. In other words, verse 22 the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You know, the, the second Adam sinned, and, uh, and, and, uh, and disobeyed God, that became, that curse started. 
It had to do with death. Of course, Genesis talks about he's going to die that, that day, and that started spiritually and physically. But also God curried. God gave some things in Genesis, um, some things for the women, and, and, and then for Adam, and, and cursed the ground, and, and, and that changed things because of sin. And, and we have, so what, what Paul is saying here in Romans, he said, up until now, he said, it, it said it, it's been a hardship. In other words, until I get saved, it's really hard. But even after I got saved, because there's still sin in the world, there's still hardships. And, and uh, we, we'll come back to that thought in a little bit, but he's describing, because I'm saved, there's a difference, there's things because of sin. But, uh, but we have hope in verse 24, uh, for we are saved by hope. Hope. Hope is a confidence, especially when used in the Bible. Um, I, I like to use an old dictionary. It has better definitions than, than uh, our, our modern language likes to lessen things and uh, shorten things and, and make things so brief. And, and uh, that level of education isn't there, a lot of words. So when I do word studies, I like to use an old dictionary and, uh, and find that. And one definitely gives confidence, especially in context. In, in uh, the Bible, for example, Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So I have hope of eternal life. That doesn't mean, hey, you know, I, I hope one day I'll be able to drive a Corvette as my car. It's like, that, that's a hope. It doesn't matter if it comes true or not. I can say I hope for something, but it, it doesn't affect my life. It doesn't matter. That's not the kind of hope it's talking about in the Bible. It says when, when our hope is in God, in the context of Scripture, every time hope is used in relationship with God, it is a sure thing. I can have confidence in it. I know it's going to happen because God said so. But it uses the term hope, and that is one of the definitions of hope, having to do with that confidence. Real quick over to Hebrews 11, if you go there, Hebrews chapter 11 Gives an idea of hope, if you will. The word is not used, but faith, when we talk about faith, faith has an element of obedience. But our element of obedience when we talk about faith is I trust God or can say I hope in God because God has come through in me for me in the past. If God wants me to go to another step in my life, I can count on God because he proved himself back there. That's, that's what we call faith. Faith is just trusting God and, and going. You follow Abraham as a great example that uh, we, we see hey, all the time. God said, do something. He did it. God promised, worked. And um, the only time Abraham got in trouble was when he didn't do it God's way. And uh, so, so we have that confidence. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a substance. Faith is our way of showing. God, I trust you. I'm hoping in my salvation. I, I know that I'm saved. I know you'll come through. I know you'll do what you said. And it's the evidence of things not seen. That's important. If we back up, same Hebrews chapter 10 just back up a couple verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And, uh, but, 
we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. It talks about our sin. So we can live and say, well, I believe God. I want to live for God. And then we pull back and say, hey, I'm going to live my way. I'm, I'm going to do things my way and, and the world's way, and I'm going to try to just live like everyone else does. And, 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 and no, there has to be that difference of what faith is and live by faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, that's clear back in Romans. Um, that goes along with Ro Romans uh, chapter 8. We're down in verse 26. Back in Romans chapter 8, verse... Um, I'm sorry, I got ahead of, ahead of myself. Um... Verse 24, I'm sorry, read my note wrong. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? In other words, just like Hebrews said, faith is the substance of the things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. I say, I trust God. I can't see it. One, I can't directly see God. Of course, we see God. We see God work in the Holy Spirit. We see God in creation, and we see all the way through the Bible on um, what God was. But we have hope, but only what God says. Okay, I read the Bible. God, I have faith. I have hope in what you said. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe it. He said, if I, in other words, if I can see the outcome, sometimes we want to say, well, God, I'll, I'll have faith. I'll trust you if you'll do this. No. Faith in God is saying, hey, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to follow you. And, and I'm going to do it your way, even though I can't see the outcome down the road. That, that, that's, what this, that's what hope is. And God, so verse 25, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And uh, so we're, we're looking, we have to have that element of, of patience and God saying, God, you know, if you'll give me first, then I'll do for you. That's not how God works. Our, our faith, to exercise faith, has to have an element of hope and trust and faith in God. That God, I'm just going to do it your way. And God, I'm trusting you as a creator of the universe, as a supplier of my salvation, as my heavenly father through adoption. God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do it your way. And uh, so that's the hope that we're looking for. Now we see the progression. We talked about the earlier in the chapter. We are adopted. We have our salvation. We understand what that means. Our soul is different from our body. One day we're going to have a better body and have a new body and live in heaven. But we're saved by hope, verse 24. We have to have that hope in Christ. And as we look at that hope, now we come into, because I'm saved, verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And in other words, that's, sometimes we pull it out, it seems odd, but I want you to see the progression. When we taught a while back, we, we did some series on the Holy Spirit, and we taught that one of the, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit 
is our go-between between Christ and God helps in our prayers. He's our teacher. He's our comforter. Um, he teaches. When I read the Bible and say, I don't understand the Bible, it is, is a couple of things. The first step is to get God involved, get the Holy Spirit involved, listen to the Holy Spirit as your teacher. And uh, so that, that's, that's, a very, that's a first step to understanding things spiritual is letting the Holy Spirit work. And uh, so the, uh, God, the Holy Spirit is, helps us in our prayer. In other words, we ought, when we pray, as uh, notice it says, as we ought. So if we have, have my salvation's right, my adoption's right, I'm saved, I'm a child of God, now I can go to God. Because I'm not saved, I can't talk to God anyway. So I can go to God and pray and say, God, I have this need, I have this hurt, I have this thing I need help with, um, I, I, I need, it doesn't matter if it's a physical need or, or a spiritual need or just a comfort need, it just say, God, I need something from you, and, and this is what I need, and the Holy Spirit takes that message to heaven and, and said, because God and His will, and notice it said here, as we should pray as we ought, and then the Holy Spirit maketh intercession, intercession, takes that prayer to heaven, and takes our prayer to God, and says, God, this is what he really needs. And, 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 and so we think we need something. I, I pray, man, God, I need this, and God supplies the need a whole different direction than what I was thinking. And that's the Holy Spirit, when he takes our prayer to heaven, and said, and said, the Holy Spirit said, this is what you really need. This is what we need to do. And God, sometimes people preach on or try to talk about God answering our prayers. And uh, I've heard all kinds of things. You know, sometimes God just says no. Sometimes God says wait a while. Sometimes get. Well, this is where, where the idea comes from. But we need to be cautious on, well, did God really say no? It's like, how do we know God said no? Or how do we know God said wait? Sometimes it's not, so, it's not that simple as we like to make preaching out of it. It's not so much that God either says no or wait or otherwise. It's like, we have a need, we pray, and, and as I pray, the Holy Spirit makes intercession and takes the prayer to heaven and say, hey, this is what you really need. And God may have answered your prayer, you just didn't get what you wanted instead of what the Holy Spirit gave you and what you needed. And sometimes we get ourselves and our flesh in the way even when we pray. Um, we think we need something or we want something or have a desire. And it's not wrong to pray for those things. Don't misunderstand me. God cares about our things, but sometimes the Holy Spirit gets, gets in there and says, hey, you know, you don't really need that thing right now. And, and, and it may not be wrong. It may not be sinful. It may be... Um, it, it may be in our life. We look at it think it's a legitimate need. And... and uh, um, for example, maybe you need a, a, a better vehicle for something. Your vehicle's so running. I, I'm just making up an example here. Maybe the Holy Spirit, you pray, God, I man, I'd really like to have a new car. But when you're praying for a new car, it's because you just drove by the new dealership and, and saw the new Mercedes instead of, hey, your car's okay for a little while. And, and, and that could apply to anything. Maybe it's a need. Maybe you're working on, on a person or an issue at work or a relationship or something that, that hey, you pray, say, God, man, I need this. And that's, man, I'd love it if you answered it that way. But the Holy Spirit goes and says, now here's what you really need. That's where the Holy Spirit's making intercessions. So sometimes we think the difference is we get all excited when we pray once in a while, God will give us what we ask for exactly 
whether it's a need or want, doesn't matter, but God gives us exactly what we ask for, then we get all excited and say, God answered prayers. Well, God may have been answering your prayers all along. Maybe it's my heart that needs to get closer to God and realize things are about what God wants and not always what I need, what I think I need. And, and versus the Holy Spirit take, makes intercession for us. And, uh, and, and works. He that, verse 27, he that searches the hearts, that's the Holy Spirit it's referring to. He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, but he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Um, that part is important. God is not controlling us like little puppets or robots and making the Bible's clear all the way through the Bible. We have a choice. We have a will. God expects us to use that. It says sometimes people get confused in, in doctrine and get, get mixed up on our will versus, you know, does God control? Is God in control? Do I have a free will? Do I, my free will isn't about doing things different than what God wants. My free will is just the fact God just gave us a choice. I can choose to obey God or not obey God. What God does do is he puts circumstance, puts things, and puts direction, including the Holy Spirit speaking to me and the Word of God speaking to me. It's my job to obey God. It's still God's will. And therefore, I do have a choice in the matter, but, but it's, it's not my choice. What that means, it doesn't mean I can't make up what I want my life to be like and then try to call it God's will. That's the difference. Um, so, so we're going along and looking and watching and, and, and as I live and watch God work and, 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 and he puts in a notice here, it says the Holy Spirit works and God works and he searches our hearts and the Holy Spirit's making intercession uh, for the saints. But notice that according to the will of God, that's important. If I want to have peace and obedience, we've talked about previous weeks and say, look, I, I want to live according to the will of God. That needs to be our first good. That doesn't eliminate the cares and things we have in this world. That doesn't eliminate things that are tied to the flesh. Man, we, 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 we have to have a place to live. We, we need an income. We, we, we need food. We need, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect those things that we just daily make decisions about and have to go through life with. Um, what it's saying is that it's my purpose, is my heart, is my desire to be according to the will of God. That leads us to verse 28. I've heard people mix up, get out of context, whatever, and different things about verse 28 that people like to throw out all by itself. But you put it back in this passage where one, we're saved, we're adopted, we're children of God, living for God. We want the Holy Spirit to make an intercession for us when we pray. And, and then now we want to do it according to the will of God, verse 27. Now verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So verse 27, we have according to the will of God. Now we have in verse 28, we have, I have kind of two parts. First of all, if I want to live according to the will of God, that means God's will is more important than what I want in my flesh while I'm living here. It doesn't mean we don't have needs. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to take care of us. It doesn't mean God doesn't want us happy while we're on earth and before we go to heaven. That's not what that means. It just means that, hey, my first goal is what does God want out of my life? What does God want between me and God? What, how does God want me to live in our relationship to God? 
And then it said, we know that all things work together for good. So the first part is, it said all things work together for good. Now that's the will of God. That has to be God's good. That's not always what we think we want, and we want to call it good. That's God's good. So that, that's important. But notice it says, work together for good to them that love God. And, and, and every once in a while, we need to ask ourselves, you know, God said that we're, we're to love Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And it's like when we say we love God, it's like, do we really love God? I mean, are we giving to God what we should? Is it more than just, hey, showing up to church once in a while or reading about what are we doing that, that would God say we love God? And so it's, it's, it's the purpose, first of all, that we know all things work together for good to them that love God. Remember, this whole passage is written to people already saved. This is not about salvation. This is about, hey, as a saved child of God, do you actually love God? And then it says, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we have that call. We come, I'm saved, I'm a child of God. Now I'm living, now I'm called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Now, some of I can't say what every individual detail of our life to say what you're doing is God's purpose or, or not or what God has planned for you. I, I can't claim that. I, I, I can't see what exactly God, what direction God is going to put you. But no matter where we are in life, in, in job or, or, or ministry or church or as we grow in Christ, the purpose of Christ. In other words, am, am I in the Bible? Am I living for God? Am I being the example in the world? Am I being a testimony? Can someone look at my life and, and realize there's something different about my life? Am I ready to give the gospel? Um, I, I always try to, at least in my vehicle or somewhere, have access. And if you need some, we have some on the back. I always keep track with me with the gospel. Um, somewhere, and I try, and I give them. If I go through a drive-thru or, or meet, I'll meet people out. I'm out doing work or things or meet people and I run a truck and grab them. I'll use it as an invitation to church. But, but more importantly, I just gave them the gospel. If the conversations continue and I'm able to continue talking and able to just verbally give them the gospel and talk and the time allows, I do that. But at least I gave them the gospel. And, uh, and, and are we when we say we're living according to God's purpose, um, that's it. Is is God? Is our things of God? Are spiritual things on our mind? Um, we, the, the the verse in the Bible. Sometimes people go with you know when you talk about pray without ceasing or things. In other words, it's something on my mind spiritually um, all the time. And and uh, doesn't mean we're some super spiritual person walking above everyone else and like, I got a halo over our head and we're, we're not. That's not what that all means. It just means I'm about my daily business. I, I, I have things I have to do in this world and family and work and job or I meet people or, or we're out at a store shopping and you run in, maybe have a conversation with somebody. And, and are the, is that going to turn our spiritual things at least on my mind? Like I said, at least a track. I don't have to have a whole conversation to give someone the gospel if I can just hand them that piece of paper. I mean, it's not, it's not difficult. It's just, is it on our mind enough to even think about it? And uh, so well, what it says, it says here that uh, we're called according to his purpose. Um, verse 29 and 30 kind of explain that a little bit for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and to whom he justified, them he also glorified. Um, but notice verse 29, I'll just read real quick for time, I'm not going to dwell on it, but there's some bad doctrine out there saying, teaching in, in Calvinism especially, that he just, God just picked ahead of time, and you're going to be saved, you're not going to be saved, and, 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 and again, that's not what this is talking about. Remember this passage is written to save people. These are people already saved, and he said, for whom he foreknow. In other words, God sees everything. God's God, he, there's no time level with God, he sees everything. So God knows. He had a foreknowledge. He knows about it. He knows where we're going to be. We should take some comfort in that. That, that God knows. God does not cause the problems. When people question, oh, if God was really God, why do people get sick? Why do these bad things happen? Why is all the bad stuff in the world? God knows about it, but God, number one, does not control our will. He'll try to guide and direct and wants us to make the right choice. Two is God um, no, because he doesn't control us individually and he wants all to come to repentance. He wants everyone to be saved. He, he wants us to receive that free gift. What he said is God is just looking out and he knows. God didn't cause the bad, but God does know that it's going to happen, so he's there for you. The sin in the world causes the bad. And, and, and I've had conversations with people that way that grew up in those kind of churches or, or got in those churches and tried to have been taught and, well, well, got it. And then they back out and, and to almost, and I know there's lots out there, and I don't know what real numbers are. I'm not saying there, I know any percentage, but I've, I've read a few articles and I, I've seen a few video uh, interview type things from a few places from atheists that said they grew up in church and they were taught Christianity. And I know better. It's interesting. Every single one of them that was an atheist that left came out of a Calvinist church. Because, well, if God directs, if God decided, and God did it ahead of time, and God chose, that means he chose some to be saved, chose some to be lost, chose me to be what I am, chose me to be an atheist, chose me to be that. And, and, and well, what about all the bad? If God chose, then God's not a good God because God chose to have kids die of cancer. God chose people to die in a, in a tragedy. God chose, God, that's not what this means at all. What it means is sin in the world, sin corrupts. Sin is what destroyed the world. Sin is what made the world evil. Sin is what, what changed what the world is and, and Satan trying to attack against God and Satan trying to, to shake our faith and how we believe and trust and hope in God. And, and, and it goes and God just says, hey, I see it. I know it's coming. And, and God didn't cause it, but God said in that, I'm there for you. We'll get to that in a moment. So don't get ca caught up when people try to use these words and change them. God knew. God predestines. In other words, God chose. Notice God did not predestine in this verse. He did not say that he predestined us for salvation. He said, remember, this is written to those already saved. That you go back in the first couple chapters of Romans, you'll find Romans is written to a church, and, and or at least a group of believers. So it says here, whom he did foreknow, in verse 29, he also did predestinate. What did he predestinate or predetermine for us? To be conformed to the image of his Son. So the predestination is not about salvation, it's about being like Christ 
that we can only get from being saved and accepting that gift. And notice here that he might be among the firstborn among many brethren. So, so Jesus is God's only begotten son. God is born, what it says here, the firstborn real quick, firstborn among many brethren. God didn't have other children as far as the spiritual sense and who God is and the Trinity and who Christ is. Jesus is, uh, John 3.16, his only begotten son. Uh, um, Jesus is it. But he's talking about the adoption. You back up in Romans chapter 8, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And where in Hebrews, Jesus calls us his brethren. That's what it's referring to. We're adopted to be, uh, Jesus is the firstborn, but among many brethren. And uh, moreover, he did predestinate, verse 30. Him, then he also called, him. he called, he also justified, whom he justified, then he also glorified. So it's a list, as we get saved and we've been justified, glorified. It says, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? What this chapter is about is saying God is on my side. God is for me. First of all, salvation. But to have the peace, to say, hey, I'm victorious. There are churches all over. If you want to talk about, hey, here's how you have victory. And here's how you, and, and, and they might be right. The problem is it gets confusing because they don't understand where it all came from. And it's great to have, you know, they use a term like, you know, have some kind of breakthrough with God or have all they did. And that's fine. And on the surface, that's not all bad. The problem is if they don't set it up with Bible, you don't know someone's struggling and how do I get through in life? And I have these heartaches and I have these burdens and I have these needs and I need this help from God. And then someone just talks about, well, you can just have it. Just ask God. And it's, what, is, what does that even mean? We have to understand first, I'm a child of God. Salvation has to be settled. I have to have that with God. I have to know I'm adopted and have that assurance. That can't change, that we're saved no matter what. Because God said so, because I accepted a gift, and it is a gift, so God's not taking it back. My sealed, I'm a child of God, that can't change. The story of the prodigal son in the Bible is a good example that made that man went off and, and wasted his life, but came back to his father. Nowhere in that passage did say all of a sudden, well, you're not, a, you're not the man's son anymore. That's not what happened. The father's waiting to receive him back. He, he did live with some consequences because of that. But we are saved. So first of all, we're saved and understands God's for us. And because I'm saved, and then when I pray, I have the Holy Spirit to make intercession on my behalf. And I can get in and go to God and boldly go to the throne with my needs, with God as a father. And I can go and it says, who, if God be for us, who can be it against us? Uh, we, we, sometimes we get too distracted with the world. There's a time, there's fights we have to have, um, and, and there's have to, um, that, that the world wants to be against us, and the world wants to um, try to um, either stop or hinder us. Number one is understand the world as I'm using it here in this passage, and, and the idea, understand, it says, who can be against us? We do need to take some caution Although it could happen, Satan could get into an individual and the person against us may be an individual. But for the most part, when this idea is used in the Bible, 
We're looking at the world or the world system. As Ephesians 6.12 talks about putting on the armor of God, it's a spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, of this world. Um, dark, I know I misquoted that. I apologize. But, but the idea is, is Satan. There is an actual spiritual warfare. No, I'm not looking over my shoulder concerned about demon, a demon every time I turn around. That's not what that means. God is taking care of the battle. God is fighting the battle. He gives us an armor for protection. He said, don't move. We're to stand and be unmovable and let God fight the battles. But we need to get that protection around the word of God. And it said, hey, it doesn't matter who's against me, that I have God fighting on my behalf on those issues. That's why God is my father. I can go to him. Hey, Satan's trying to mess me up today. God, I need some extra help today. And God is taking that fight. That's what that prayer said. Hey, who can be for us? We can be, we can have victory in God, but we have to understand our position with God before we have that victory with God. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, God wants to be there for God wants to give us those things. God wants to be in our corner. And he said it to the point that I was a lost sinner away from God on my way to hell for all eternity. And God said, hey, I'll give up my own begotten son so that you can have eternal life. But for some reason, we get saved and we go on. I accepted Christ. I believed in God. I, I got saved a long time ago. But for some reason, the God who gave up his only begotten son to save us for eternity, for some reason we forget to trust God every day. God wants to keep, God wants to give us, God wants to give us what we need and God wants to, it says here, freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, it is God that justifieth. We're back to looking at the idea, the salvation here. People that try to get work salvation. Well, you did, or you didn't do, or you did. No, it's not their place. I accepted Christ. I believed what God did. I, I accepted the gift from God. It's God that justified me, not man. I don't care what someone, if I got the Bible, that's why we need to know our Bible. I can go to the Bible and say, hey, I accepted Christ. Um, I, 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 who, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, um, I love in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas were coming out of the jail. God shook the jail and they came out and the jailer was going to kill himself. And they talk, hey, hey, don't do thyself no harm for we're all here. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's answer, if thou shalt believe. That's it. It's not, it's, it's, it's not hard, but it's hard for man who's in pride wants to do things ourselves. And that we have to let that go and understand that it's about what God said. Hey, you can't put something on my charge. Uh, you can't judge my salvation. Uh, you, can't, you can't play and say, hey, oh, your work, or you're not living the way I think you should live. You must not be saved. Um, there's been a few people that gave some doctrine or something insane against God, and they said that I might have said, not, that I don't know if they're saved. But, but, but in general, I can't, it's not, in other words, my confidence come, it's not so much what someone else thinks about me, but it's my confidence come, it doesn't matter what someone else says, and, and, and you want to judge my salvation, you can't. 
because I got it right with God. God is the one that saved me. I accepted that gift. You can't lay anything to my charge. Who can separate us, verse 35, from the love of Christ? Notice the love. It says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Our tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword. Now notice it says, it cannot separate us from the love of Christ. All those things, reminder, when we have a rough time or bad things happen in this world, God did not do it. It's because of sin. It's because of Satan trying to get us separate from God. And it says, I'm saved. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Um, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. And we are counted sheep for the slaughter. In other words, we're attacked. We got burdens in this world just because there's sin in the world. Some of it may be Satan literally trying to drive a wedge and get us away from God so we're no good to God. It may be that. But it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. God did not cause the circumstances. But then it says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In other words, all I got to do is go back and hold on to the love of God. He sent his son to die for me. And he's there for my daily needs. He's there through the Holy Spirit guiding me. He's there for the, when I pray, I get the Holy Spirit taking that message to heaven and helping me with what I need, whether I realize I need it or not. And God said, in those trials, in those hardships, in these things that, that, that we, can't, we, we can't handle, the, the persecution, tribulation, um, the distress, the persecution, um, the famine, um, as you pray for right now going on over in Afghanistan, where, where, where they're, they're going door to door, looking, do you have a Bible now? And they're grabbing their phones and searching people's phones to see if they have a Bible app on it. And if they do, they're killing them. That, that's the persecution going on in the world right now. We don't have that here in America. But so the devil distracts us just the same with, with, uh, and with, with daily life and, and daily things and, and, and tries to get in our mind and distract us and, and, and just, just all these things. Um, it does it, but what it says is that tribulation. Uh, if, if you go right now and ask one of those Christians in Afghanistan, they're not going to tell you, well, God must not be real because uh, they're persecuting us. That, that's not what they're thinking. It's hard. It doesn't lessen their hardship. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine living in that. But understand that God said He still loves you in that. It's, it's, it's in the trials that we can get closer to God. If our attitude and heart is right, nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens today. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. It doesn't matter if we think it's a small problem or big problem. It doesn't matter what we're facing. Understand you cannot be separated from the love of God because I'm saved and because it's through Jesus Christ. I'll go back to Christ because I accepted Christ and what he did, my salvation. It has to go back to that in my salvation. If I want peace in my life, I go back and say, hey, I'm saved. And look at that. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
And it doesn't matter how bad things look in this world. It doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter how bad I think things are. It doesn't matter what things look like around me. God still loves me. That's why John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I did, I did study one. There's few words in the Bible, in our English, uh, in our English Bible, in the King James Bible, that, that, that are there. And there's a note when you go back in history and word usage and those kinds of things, uh, you'll find it there in John 3.16. It said, for God so loved the world. There's that little word that sometimes we take for granted, don't think much about, but that little word, so. In other words, that's a word that, that was done in translation, trying to take from the Greek to the English and trying to put it together and figure out how in the world do we describe this when, 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 they, when they were carefully considering how to put those words from, from, from the Greek to the Hebrew into how do we describe what this verse says. And the only thing they could come up with is God's love is so great we don't know what to say. So God's so loved. We don't use that term every day. We, we don't talk like that. But that's one of the little, little things put in the Bible to explain that something so great, uh, something so big that we can't comprehend it, that God so loved the world. He gave, if God's willing to give his son so that we could have eternal life, God's, God still loves us every day. God didn't stop loving us after salvation. And, and our conquer, our victory, our, our are, are things in life that we can get through and say we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Every day look to Christ. Yeah, I'm saved. I, I understand that can't change. I can't lose my salvation. Man, I'm glad God sealed me. If I could lose it, it wouldn't be salvation. But understand, God still loves me every day. His love doesn't stop. When I'm down, discouraged, have a heartache, I just need to go look at God. God, thank you for loving me. That's why all the prayers and all the time to get our prayers answered and, and even in Philippians 4 where we're talking at peace. Thanksgiving is a thread through the whole Bible. Give, give with thanks. When we pray to God, give with thanksgiving. And everything give thanks. That, that's who we need to look at. God still loves us. I'm more than conquerors because He loved me. Not because of something I did. With that, let's stand together. Draven and Ben, if you want, if you want to cut out and uh, go change quick, go ahead. We'll have a brief invitation. First of all, as the music plays, if you want to come, if you got a question, um, if you, if you're not sure that you're saved, please talk to us today. Get that settled. But leave here and say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having that heartache. What about? Where am I looking for my help? That's usually our problem. I need help and I try to look at myself or I get stubborn instead of looking to Christ. All right. With that, we'll close in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this time with your word. God, I thank you. Um, for giving us um, the instructions, but just not instruction to live. Sometimes we look at all the rules and things we're supposed to do. But God, you gave us instructions how to have victory. And victory is just as simple as trusting you and your love. God, I pray that you'll help us to do that. God, give us courage, give us strength, give us help as we leave here to go serve you even this week. In Jesus' name, amen.